Hello and welcome to the Judgment Edit, a Lucy Loves production. I'm your host Lucy Tan and today our fellow judgment maker is Renee Collini. So I'm going to stop telling you about myself every single week. If you need to hear about it, you can go back and listen to some of the first episodes if you missed out and need to know. But our guest Renee is going to go ahead and let you know some of her background and some things about her that might influence her judgment. So I am a 31-year-old female that has a partner, no children. I work for the government as a HR consultant. I currently have recently gone through a separation, so going through a change in life, um, which has also influenced my judgment. (laughs) So I moved from South River to the North River. I've had to go through things of separating property and selling property and stuff like that. So that's influenced my judgment. Also come from a um, really good upbringing background parents are still married younger sister and they've obviously also influenced my judgment as growing up um growing up with a italian background Mm -hmm. uh so catholic background very protective daddy then yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah no that's and that's probably what's influenced my judgment is just being obviously seeing things not agreeing with it my values that i hold close to my heart um, especially like trust and honesty, those mm-hmm. sort of things. If I can see that people aren't being truthful or being honest about what their intention is, I kind of obviously do ooze a lot of judgment on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing like a, um, a major relationship breakdown to suddenly change your view on a lot of things very quickly, quickly. as well. Yeah, Very true. Absolutely. So this first story is from a user whose uh, username is Dying is Stressful. And she asked, Would I be the arsehole if I take over planning my funeral from my very religious parents? Now, I did not know that you came from a Catholic upbringing when I chose this one, so this actually works very well. So she says, Hello all. Well, if it isn't already obvious from the title, I am dying. I don't feel the details are super relevant to the issue at hand, but for those who are curious about my ultimate demise... I have cystic fibrosis, and after two rejected lung transplants, I've been told there isn't anything else they can do except keep me comfortable in my last few weeks. I've begun my preparations for my funeral and such, and while I was thinking it would be a breath of fresh air in this whirlwind of death, I could not have been more wrong. Now, on to the title. My parents are both strict Southern Baptists and want a very traditional funeral. This includes hymns to be sung during the memorial, a casket and graveside service, a viewing, countless prayers during the memorial, scripture to be read, etc. My issue with this is, well, everything. I'm the complete opposite of my parents. I'm not religious, I curse like a sailor, drink like the Irish, you name it. Everything they are wanting and attempting to plan is just not me as a person. I've somehow made it to 25 and managed to meet the man of my dreams and marry him last year and he is torn. He wants me to have it exactly as I want. He just doesn't want to have to deal with my parents after the fact while he is actively grieving. I have two siblings, one of which is a clone of my parents and one that is a mixture of myself and my parents. I want my service to be one full of laughter, funny stories and pictures. Upbeat music, cats, my husband and I are avid cat lovers. I want confetti and shit. But mostly and more importantly, I want to be cremated and put in a fucking cat-shaped urn. I told my husband I wanted my ashes to be handed out like party favourites so my family and friends can take me with them because I love to travel, and he looked horrified. My parents are not on board and are essentially planning everything how they want. 
attempting to take me shopping for a casket, flowers, picking out hymns and verses, the whole deal. I'm obviously not very pleased. So I guess my question would be, would I be the arsehole if I took control of my own funeral and wrote a will to be followed exactly how I want it? I understand that my parents are grieving and I've tried to compromise with a mixture of both my views and theirs, but they aren't having it. I never thought dying would be so fucking stressful and I just want to enjoy what time I have left without leaving a bomb of emotion and disappointment behind. Please help. Wow. That is such a um, tricky place to be in. (laughs) Gorgeous. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how I would handle something like that. I mean, funerals are kind of for the living. It's for them to grieve their way, but you can't just take over while someone's actively in the process of dying and ignore their wishes. I agree. And I think, too, this whole funeral planning thing that people can do before they die these days has given more control to the people that are actually sick or dying or their wishes to be met. And I think that's great, but I do believe that a funeral is the last thing a family can do to honour that loved one. So I think that she needs to leave her wishes behind, but her parents should be able to do, and her husband, it should include her husband as well, not just what her parents want. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, because she is married, he becomes the one in charge, I believe. he It falls to him. I do too, yes. But I can see why he's going, I don't want to have a huge fight with your parents right after you've passed away. That's not something I can deal with while I'm grieving. Grieving, yeah. To have to also go up against them. My um, grandfather died last year and he was the first person close to me who had died And I actually, it was not my proudest moment, but I had a little bit of a tantrum over his funeral. It was um, going in a direction that I didn't think that he would particularly like. They were going really, really casual, um, all this sort of thing. And my granddad was a man that dressed up in his slacks every day of his life. Um, and I quite like things to be formal and that. And I had a little bit of a tantrum, like, this is all wrong. We can't do this. This is not on. One person said that and everyone doesn't want to speak up and be like, oh, this, that. So everyone's just going, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And it's not fine. So I kind of, I understand where they're both coming from in a major way, especially with grief. It's so hard. I really, I don't know whose side I fall on, to be honest. I don't fall on either side either. And I think it doesn't matter what you do, either party's going to be the arsehole. So you'll be the arsehole if you want to take control of your own funeral and do it your way because your parents will feel like they've got no say in it. But you're also being the arsehole if you don't let them have a say in it and try and control it because they are grieving their daughter's loss. Yeah, that's something that they never, you know, parents are not supposed to bury their children. Children. And if that's, you know, how they need to deal with it, I mean, after she's gone, it's hard. Funerals are for the living, but it's her funeral. She should be able to have her life celebrated the way she wanted to. And there is no compromise when it comes to being buried or cremated. No, and (laughs) those wishes should definitely be honoured. If someone wants to be cremated, they should be cremated if that's their wishing yeah. In the end. Definitely. Um, the thing is, too, even if she wrote it all down in a will, wills can be contested. It can go through probate. It can go through years of court and drama. And depending how strongly her parents feel and her husband's deal, you don't want him to just throw his hands up either and give up and go, oh, just 
whatever because it's too hard and then all of a sudden there's a huge family fallout and then yeah. he's only got and he's the gonna memories cop of it because what are they yeah. going to do blame their dead daughter exactly it's going to be him that cops it I don't know if a will can be contested fast enough to get in the way of funeral plans though funerals tend to yeah. happen within the week true they'd have to be quick yeah very <laughs> they'd true have to be very quick but I mean still you don't want a legal battle after the fact that. that's not what anyone needs while they're Dealing with something like that. Yeah. That is such a tricky situation. I guess talking, they're all going to have to sit down and have some conversations about this and figure out something that they can all mutually agree on. That is the worst thing I could have possibly (laughs) said, but something that they can all accept. Accept. Yeah. (laughs) Not live with, but accept. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is why I don't give advice to people in real time. That back. Once you've said that, you just have to go, I'm so sorry, and leave the room and never come back. This is why I don't think I could ever be a counsellor. <laughs> oh, I know. I'd get so caught up in it. I'd be like, oh my god, and what did she say? <laughs> All right, I'm landing on no assholes in that story. Everyone's just doing their best, best to get through something that is incredibly, incredibly difficult. Agreed. This is from user Snoo Paintings 9288 Am I the arsehole for punishing my son after he said something racist? About a week ago, my 39 female family ordered Chinese food for delivery. When the delivery driver came to the door, my daughter, 16 female, was taking the cat upstairs to put in her room because he always tries to eat the food. My son, 13 male, loudly says, Make sure they hide the cat from the Chinese guy as I am at the door getting the food from the Chinese delivery driver. He very obviously heard what my son said and was upset by it. I quickly apologised and took the food. I told my son that racist jokes were completely unacceptable and very wrong and he refused to admit that he was in the wrong. So, later that night, I forced my son to write a sincere apology to the delivery driver. His name was on the receipt as well as write a one-page paper on Chinese culture and a one-page paper on why racism is perpetuated by racist jokes and stereotypes. The next day, I took him to the restaurant and had him read his apology aloud to the delivery driver as well as give him the papers he wrote. The delivery driver was very appreciative of the apology and thanked me for making my son do it. He then told my son about multiple instances where he had faced racist comments and attacks from people while he was a delivery driver. That night, my husband, 43 male, and I got into an argument about me making our son do this. He told me that it was embarrassing for our son to have to do the apology and that the punishment didn't fit the crime. I told him that it was much more embarrassing for the driver to have to face that kind of racism and racist stereotypes and that our son would get over the embarrassment. I do not condone any kind of hateful thinking in my house and the fact that my son said that embarrassed me as well. My husband told me that it was just a joke And it wasn't that big of a deal. I feel like I might have overreacted some, but I think it's important to help my son understand how what he said was wrong and hurtful. I can see why his son maybe thinks it's okay to say things like that. Definitely. In today's (laughs) culture... You know which parent is perpetuating that sort of behaviour. And normally, to be honest with you, even in my family, it's very much the same. There is one parent who's like deadly against things or is very opinionated or has those sort of remarks and then there's another one that always fights it, rebuts it and thinks that it's wrong and stuff like that and they don't always see eye to eye. I think in today's culture and in today's 
society, bullying and all that is so in your face all the time that I think kids don't understand the impact of what a word can have until it's too late. So I think what the mum did in a way is right, making sure that he apologised, going to the extent of writing papers and all that stuff and going and giving that to the delivery driver may have been a bit overboard um, for a comment. But, hey, I guess that's where the line needs to be drawn sometimes. See, I think that she did exactly right. The fact that she went up to speak to him about it and he flat out refused to admit that what he did was wrong, he clearly needed to learn why what he did was wrong. So the papers, etc., learning curve if you're gonna sit there and be like no i stand by my words well educate yourself get educated i don't think that she went too far at all and i i'm always surprised on things like this where people who've hurt other people and then the other parents like i mean yeah he hurt them but like that was embarrassing Embarrassment's one thing. You hurt someone. someone. You and you bullied don't, someone. And you don't, that's what I'm saying, you don't understand sometimes how much a word or something could potentially have an impact on that person's life. That could have been, for him, it's just one word, but for that delivery driver, it could have been the 80th word for the day that's just driven him over the edge and makes him go into a fit of rage or makes him become angry or aggressive or upset or even worse to the suicide side of things. And you see that in this kid's bullying in school and stuff like that, of how quickly it can escalate over time and how it might not just be the same person bullying the same child. It could be a 100 people bullying the same child or it could be a 100 different words or a 100 different phrases. I mean, I think he just heard a joke and just went, ha-ha, this is funny, and repeated it with no idea exactly what he was saying. Like, I don't think that he was... Like, oh, let's make fun of the Chinese guy. He just made a joke that he knew was specific to that culture and repeated something that he'd already heard. Um, But that still doesn't make it okay. Not understanding what you're doing is never an excuse to for your behaviour. You still have to own up to it, learn it. And I don't, yeah, I just, I can never believe, I don't like parents when parents are like, "Mm, no, like, you know, it's fine, just let it go sort of thing. I think I think she did the right thing and the husband going, oh, it's just a joke is how people end up being like, you know, it's fine. It's like when people say no offence and then say something really offensive. <laughs> you know, yeah. it just goes down this whole spiral and, you know, if he's willing to say that to some stranger at the door, what's he going and saying to kids in the schoolyard and that sort of thing? That's I think, very true. Yes. I think there's never – it's never too early and there's never a um, wrong time to learn the lesson of kindness and how it's just not okay, okay to be hurtful and rude to someone regardless of whether the basis of that hurtfulness and rudeness is um, race, culture, gender – anything else it doesn't really matter it's not okay to be hurtful and it's not okay to be rude yeah and basically i feel like the husband's being like no it's fine it was just a joke jokes don't make it okay to be hurtful towards someone it doesn't yeah. matter that it's funny yeah. they're not laughing this is from user kk27kk am i the asshole for taking my child to her mum's home and leaving her there i male 40, have full custody of my daughter, female 12. Her mum only has once a month visitations. Recently, she has been acting up and insisting on living with her mum because she thinks I'm a bad dad. 
I knew she couldn't live with her mum because her mum is a terrible mum. I know it because I've seen the way she treats her other kids, which is why I tried so hard to get full custody. Also, my daughter is used to a very privileged life, which her mum can't give her. A few days ago, we got into an argument and again she said she hated me and wanted to live with her mum. I got angry. I made her pack a bag. I took her to her mum's home, left her there and told her she is going to live there just as she wanted. One day later, I got a message from her asking me to take her home. I ignored all her messages and calls for four days until I figured she has learnt her lesson. I answered her call and she was crying and asked me to take her home, which I did. She has been staying in her room ever since. My family thinks I'm a huge arsehole and should have just bought her home the first time she called, but I thought it was necessary. Am I the arsehole? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Teenage girls, or getting into that teenage years, we were the worst. We hated everyone. Like, as soon as you didn't get your own way, you'd step... Well, I know I did. I stamped my feet. I threw things. I screamed the house down. Oh, yeah. Me too. (laughs) I would just leave and not come back but, for yeah, two days. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, fine then. Um, and I got taught hard lessons. Like, I got stuff taken away from me. I got sent to my grandparents. I I learned eventually that that's not going to get what I want. Yeah, absolutely. I do kind of agree with his family that he's a bit of an arsehole. It's one thing to teach her the lesson, but to ignore all messages and calls for four days as a parent – when you've put them in a house that you know to not be an adequate parented house, house, that's, um, I think that's going too far. He could have left her there, but definitely at least take the call and say, are you safe? Okay. No, this is what you asked for. You're staying here. You can't just disappear on your kids for four days. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Because yeah, you, and especially he's already said that I didn't. I know that the other the mum's not a very good mother to her other children as well. So you can yeah. only imagine. Like I get a punishment like that and making them learn the hard way, absolutely. But you can't four days. Your kid is calling you for four days, and, and you're like, no, nope, teaching you a lesson. Come on, that's that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he just responded to the messages and said, look. I'm sure everything's fine. You're okay. You just you now realise this isn't perfect world, and you had the perfect world. Yeah. But yeah, should have done some response. Yeah, I think that's um that's a little bit far. I can see why maybe she stamped her foot, feet and was like, I want to go live with mum. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a little bit of a peek into the kind of a drill sergeant household he's I'm running. running yep. <laughs> At first and then like, punishment, I guess, now is that she's not coming out of her room for him, that she's back, but she's not going to associate with him. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, when it comes down to it, there's only so much trust that you have between kids and parents and something like that, where like when I was calling you when I needed you, you wouldn't even answer. It's not that you didn't show up and take me out of it and make it all okay again. You didn't even answer. And, you know, as far as hard as the teenage years are, you need your kid to be like, if I call them, they're going to show up. up. That's such an important thing. Yeah. You know, we've all made a bad decision and gone to a party that we weren't supposed to or something like that and it's gone wrong. And the people that were able to call their parents and be like, I made a mistake, please come get me, always fared a lot better than the ones that were like, well, I'm just going to try and fix this This by myself. myself. (laughs) Yeah. If I tell my parents, they're going to go absolutely insane at me. So I'm going to, you know, 
walk home in the middle of the night by myself for two hour walk or whatever (laughs) because I can fix this all by myself yeah (laughs) I used to always know as much as the ass whooping from my mum or my dad would be it was safer to ring them than to come home with the police or end up locked up or end up somewhere that I shouldn't be and then it gets escalated and worse and I something happened to me I know that they would be way more angry at me than if I just made that phone call <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so final thoughts on that one arsehole not arsehole partial arsehole I'm going full arsehole I think he took it way too far he started off with good intentions and took it way too far safety at the end of the day is the most important thing that you're trying to do raising kids I mean not that I have any kids but I think people would agree me with me at the end of the day, safety is the most paramount thing. And he took her somewhere that he knows can be an unsafe environment without a proper parent looking after her and then just ignored her for days. Yeah, and left her in the lurch until he thought it was okay. Yeah, until he was like, oh, you know, I think he was like, <laughs> taught you a yeah. little bit, which, you know, as a parent, yes, you're trying to teach them a lesson, but not for your own, like, ha, I won this one. Yeah. <laughs> The last one here is from username sourcandy78 and they say, am I the asshole for suggesting my friend's fiance not come on vacation after she said that I make her uncomfortable? I used to date my friend before he met his fiance. I assumed he would have told his fiance at some point, but he didn't. She found out from his family during a dinner that I went to too. Now she's telling everyone that I make her uncomfortable. She wants me to stay away from her and her fiancé. The problem is, is that I'm very close to his family since they're like a second family to me. Usually in the summer, I go on vacation with my friend, his sisters, my siblings, and some of their cousins and spouses. The trip for this year has already been booked, but she wants me to not go out of respect for her and her relationship. She came to me directly to tell me that I make her uncomfortable and that she didn't want me to go on their family vacation. I told her if I made her so uncomfortable, she could just not go since I was going too. This turned into an argument where she accused me of being after a free vacation and told me that I couldn't stay in their family vacation home and I would need to get a hotel room if I insisted on going. I told her that it wasn't up to her and we could ask her future father-in-law if I could stay there or not. That is an interesting one. Yeah. (laughs) On the one hand, I think a lot of this starts with the fact that the fiancé in question... Has already kept the secret. Made it a secret to begin begin with. with. If it was just open and out there, it probably wouldn't have been a problem. Because it seems like, you know, it's not just that she's the ex-girlfriend that won't let go. You know, her siblings Siblings. as well go on this trip. This is like, you know, two family family friends now. If he'd just spoken up and been like, oh, yeah, we used to date at one point, you know, when it was early on, I can see why she's insecure about it when it's been made a big secret. Secret, yeah. Whether or not that becomes the friend's issue where she should not go on her family vacation because of that, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to draw the line because it is family and you, you want to go on the vacation and you have every other year – but at the same time, that is his fiance. She's she's come direct. If it had come through someone else, or it was just something that she'd said in conversation, it would be like, "Oh, well, come and speak to me." But the fact that she's gone to her directly and said, "You make me feel uncomfortable, and I don't want you to come," 
it would make me go, oh, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I should just give them this one and see how it goes. So it's that fine line. I know that's really hard because I think if someone came to me and said that, I'd probably just be like, I won't go because it would make me so uncomfortable after that. But I also get her being like, this is my family. Like, it's literally for her. It's like family. You're not kicking me out of my own family. I've been doing this for years. You're going to have to adjust and and get used to it because – you know, me and my siblings, I'm not having all of my siblings go and me stay, stay at, at home. home and miss out on all the fun times yeah. and that whole FOMO at home. I think it actually comes down to the fiancé and the fiancé's family. He should have said something a lot earlier and it's really up to them to decide if they want to put that space in because it's not just, you know, the fiancé, it's the whole family and if the whole family wants her there, and One it, person can't be like, no, I don't like her, so she can't come. Yeah, and it would make you wonder, like, how does the fiancé feel about this? Like, what conversations have the fiancé and the friend had about it and has he explained um, or what's their relationship like? Are they daily texting, hourly texting, maybe once every three months texting? Are they constantly hanging out and hanging off each other and all over each other and whatnot still quite friendly to make the fiance feel uncomfortable like it would be interesting to know the relationship in full that's true i don't know we have enough information on this one to actually make a full judgment because you know we assume that fiance means that they're a long-term solid couple but we also know that that's not always the case you see really bad couples that are barely hanging on that have been together like four months and they're like let's put a ring on it to try and save this thing so that also comes into it as well. If, you know, they happen to be one of those, I'd be like, um, no, I don't really think this is going to last. I'm not giving that out of my family. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, that's pretty hard to make a judgment. It doesn't seem like she's still particularly close to him specifically. Because, like, she's at, like, family dinner and stuff like that. Like, their families all catch up. It doesn't seem like it's because she's still hanging on. But I can see how she's insecure about it. It all started with him just not Not telling her to begin with. He should have just spoken up. And then I think I would be so insecure about something if someone had lied to me about it. And I believe big time in you can lie by omission. Yeah. You didn't tell me about it. You omitted a major fact. That was a lie. It wasn't an active lie, but you lied by omission. So now I'm going to be insecure about it. But again, I don't think that it makes the other it the other person's problem. I think she needs to talk to her fiance and maybe her and the fiance shouldn't go. Yeah, that's the other option. They don't go. <laughs> yeah, she's not insecure enough to be like, I think that we're gonna bow out. She's immediately like, Yeah, I don't think you should go. Yeah. So that's another option as well. Yeah, I don't know where I land on that one. I think we need more information, but I'm actually gonna go ahead and say not the arsehole. I don't think that this is her problem. No, I don't think it's her problem. I think definitely need to know more information about their relationship now, just as friends, and how the family dynamic works. Because if they're all really close as family friends and they were prior to their relationship and post their relationship, then, yeah, the fiancé is the one with the issues and the insecurities and they need to, as a couple, work through Yeah, that. I think as a couple it's their problem and they really need to deal with that between the two, two of them. them and if that means that they don't go on the trip they don't go on the trip and everybody else goes on as it always has been for many years especially once it's already been booked also you can't the fact that she first asked her not to go and then was like well you can't stay at the family vacation house it's 
her fiance's dad's house. You can't kick someone out out of a house that's not yours. Yours. So she also stepped over the line a little bit there. Like, yeah. no, you can't do that, sweetheart. That's that's not how these things work. Yeah, and if if I'm honest, nine times out of ten in those sort of scenarios, it's the fiance that's going to end up on her ass out the door. Um, so I can see from like stepping overstepping that line and saying with your um, father-in-law's potential future father-in-law's house to say you can't stay there well that's also an issue in itself because then all of a sudden well that's going to end up with you out on your ass not so much because the family if they're all that close are going to choose the friend over you yeah yeah like sometimes I yeah sometimes you've got to just fit in in a situation that you can maybe uncomfortable with I mean I I'm lucky I like all of my in-laws, but we're not super close or anything. They all live up um, – my husband's parents live up in Newman. His sister did until recently as well. His other sister lived in Melbourne the whole time we've been together and now lives in Dubai. So, you know, like if we all went on a family vacation or something – sorry, I should mention his younger sister is still very close friends with my husband's ex-girlfriend because they were friends first. So, you know, if she got married or something, we all had a destination wedding over in Dubai. There's no way that I'm going to be like, can you not invite her? It would make me uncomfortable. It would make me uncomfortable because that sort of thing, you know, it just does. does. You know, I'm not super close with the family. She's much closer with the family because they all lived in Newman together. together. They're all much closer. So it would be really uncomfortable for me, but I'm never going to be like, can you not come? Yeah, you know, just, you go into that comfortable situ- uncomfortable situation and make it as comfortable for you as possible. Yeah, and just, you know, it's not all about me. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And you're going on a holiday with so many other people anyway, so I'm sure you can avoid each other or yeah, put enough space between the two of you that you're not going to be in each other's face. Yeah, this, and I think that's a really good point to the story, actually. It's not all about her. This isn't a holiday for her and her comfort. She's been invited along just as the other person has. Get over it. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm going to land solidly in, not the asshole, go on your holiday until the family says that there's a problem, just stay out of it. And honestly, if she wants the family to like her, don't make huge waves where they are forced to choose. (laughs) Even if they do choose you, they're not going to like it. Okay, finally, question of the week. Have you ever been drunk or high and came up with this truly amazing idea but then became sober and realised it wasn't as amazing as you first thought it was? Um, Yes, yes, I have. I will go first. I'm not saying which one it was. (laughs) But I was getting some ice from our fridge and I was just absolutely blown away by the idea that one day I might have to explain to my children that you didn't always just get water and ice from a whole in the fridge and I was just so blown away about it I think I even texted one of my friends and um the next day I realized that not only was that not crazy or profound at all but that there will definitely still be taps when I have kids they're not gonna be like oh my god tell me about this thing called a tap (laughs) (laughs) that that's still gonna be a thing they're just gonna be like yeah okay so before that we got it from a tap right and I'll be like yeah basically (laughs) So, yep, that is uh, my shameful one. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) So, mine involves someone that I'm no longer friends with or have much to do with, but 
we went out on a drunken night out in the city for a beer festival Mm -hmm. and we came back to our house and we thought, oh, this will be fun. Let's do some dancing and running around and acting like fairies. And we, well, the person in question fell over and did damage their arm. So we went up to the hospital and while laying in the hospital bed, he's like, oh, my nurse is amazing, she's so nice. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. And then the nurse walked over and she introduced herself and said, I'm Esther. And he's like, Esther, that's an interesting name. She's like, oh, well, I'm actually originally from Colombia. Yep. So then he thought it would be a really good idea to share with her that, oh, I, I know where you can get the best cocaine and, oh, I'm sure you've had it all and, oh, I'll have to come in tomorrow and, like, give you my supplier's name and... <laughs> And so then the next morning he woke up and realised that really is probably not a good idea to talk to a nurse about or to probably provide a nurse the information that I do cocaine. Yeah, and also um, probably not make the assumption that because she's from Colombia, she wants your cocaine hooker. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, look, a nurse isn't that bad. They just want to make sure that you're okay. Okay. That could be relevant. At least it wasn't, you know, a cop. True. (laughs) (laughs) That, I think, would definitely be the most problematic. But, yeah, I I think I find the most hilarious part of that is, oh, you're from Colombia. Let me tell you where you can get some coke. (laughs) All right, we've had a few submissions from around the place. Um, This one is from Real Poke Satu. A friend of mine called me around three in the morning about a fantastic groundbreaking idea he had for getting sunburn on your feet. He wears Crocs a lot, so I was actually kind of interested. Okay, okay, he says. So, like a cloth or something that you can put on your feet that would keep them from getting sunburn from the holes. Socks. He was describing socks. Uh, Brilliant Garden 188 said um, to have a fast food spot that sold frozen meals already cooked, like you can order a heated up hot pocket, a toaster strudel, chicken pot pie, etc. So fast food. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Someone with the username mortadella underscore sandwich has two. One, turning a toaster sideways and putting in mini pizzas to bake rather than microwave them so they don't end up soggy. All the crumbs from the bottom of the toaster slid into the heating element and smoked like crazy, setting off my fire alarm at 3am. And their second fabulous idea was carbonated soup. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds so disgusting. I'm pretty sure I've seen a YouTube video of someone taking soup and putting it in a um, soda stream to carbonate it. And I'm pretty sure, no, it was gravy. They carbonated gravy and then drank it. Ew. Yeah, I don't know what uh, creator that was. If I can figure it out, I will put it in the show notes. But yes, they um, carbonated themselves some gravy to see if it was good. Because, you know, apparently we weren't sure how that would end up. Um, And drank it. I can relate to the toasted sandwich well, the toaster scenario, I don't own a sandwich to press like toaster yep. machine. So a couple of months ago, I was quite intoxicated and I thought, oh, well, you just turn the toaster on the side and if you slide them in, forgetting that cheese melts. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to throw my toaster away and buy a new one. Yeah. 
I think quite a few people have been down that route. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some statistic somewhere about just how many house fires have been set doing things like that. Thank goodness we have air fryers now, honestly. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> and what you can do and with they an air fryer. automatically as well. And they do, yes. Which is very good for if you're cooking drunk or high because so many people start cooking and walk away from it and either forget about it or fall asleep. Sleep, yep. <laughs> okay, we have Hendergill that says a pot or a bowl with holes in it so that you don't have to use a wire mesh strainer to strain spaghetti. I had drawings and everything. All the people around me were like, shit, this thing is going to make millions. Next day, dude, that's a colander. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This doesn't have a username. She said, my niece drunk texted me and went on and on about her idea for party popper tampons. She wanted to make tampons that shot string and confetti when you pulled the string. It was all something about women celebrating their freedom and their vaginas. It was very confusing at 2am, a series of texts when she was just supposed to let me know that she made it home safe from her night out. (laughs) This person says, while high, I came up with the idea of making pens with white ink that would cover up any mistakes on white paper. I realised not only had that already been done, but I had one in my backpack right next to where I keep the pen I used to write down the idea. (laughs) While taking what I thought was acid, but turned out to be something else, I was beyond confident that not only did I finally understand the truest, deepest secret of the universe, but that I had distilled the idea down to an image that could be drawn out. I was certain that with this image, I could remember everything about the true universal secrets when I came down. The next day, I looked at the paper and it was a line with a circle on each end, like a dumbbell. I have no idea what it means. (laughs) I can just say I'm getting up the next morning like, hang on, did I actually make like a groundbreaking revelation last night? Nope. (laughs) But if I did, I cannot remember what this all means. Maybe it really was profound and the drawing just wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. You came up with some amazing profound thing and you're just not a great artist. <laughs> and that's how you lost it. <laughs> yeah, mine would be like a stick figure and I'd be like, uh, yeah, no idea. <laughs> All right, that's everything that we've got for today. If you have a story that you'd like to submit, you can do so via the link in the show notes. Otherwise, you can find us on TikTok at at LucyLoves underscore or on Insta at The Judgment Edit. See you next week. Bye.